This is episode 199 with coach, author, host of the Morning Shakeout podcast, and former New England competitor of mine, Mr. Mario Fraioli. Welcome to the Strength Running Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Jason Fitzgerald, and the episode you're about to listen to is about the pros, cons, nuances, and philosophy behind longer training cycles, like the 10-day cycle. I just published an article on this topic on Runner's World, and I believe the piece will be featured in the July or August issue of the magazine, and I wanted to give it more attention with my guest, Coach to Pro Runners, Mario Fraioli. Here on the show, you can expect conversations between me and the thought leaders in the running industry to give you the knowledge, the mindsets, and tools to get faster, stronger, and become a more capable athlete. Because if you better understand the process of improvement, when you recognize knowledge as a competitive advantage, you'll become a much better runner. I bet you'll also love our YouTube channel, where we have hundreds of videos on how to run longer, strength workouts, coaching lessons, how to stay healthy and run with better form, and a lot more. Go to youtube.com slash strengthrunning, subscribe, and you'll see every video that we publish. And of course, strengthrunning.com is where it all began. Since 2010, we've been helping runners level up their training, race faster, prevent more injuries, and get stronger. You'll find our award-winning blog, our free email courses, and the full library of training programs and coaching services to help you accomplish your biggest running goals. And our sponsor today, Elemental Labs, helped make this episode possible. The day before I recorded this, I rode my bike in the heat for nearly two and a half hours at altitude here in Colorado, and I'd like to thank Element Citrus Salt for the quick post-ride recovery. They make high-sodium electrolytes to help manage your hydration needs. And if you go to drinklmnt.com slash strengthrunning, you can sign up for a free sample pack with four flavors and eight individual packets. All you have to pay is the cost of shipping. All right, on today's episode, you'll be treated to a deep dive on specific training concept called longer training cycles. My guest is Coach Mario Fraioli who also hosts the Morning Shakeout podcast and publishes the Morning Shakeout newsletter. He coaches a wide variety of elite and sub-elite runners and has been involved in the running industry as an editor, a book author, coach, podcaster, speaker, and thought leader for the better part of two decades. He's also one fast dude, running 227 in the marathon and a blistering 409 mile, and I'm very fortunate to call Mario a friend. We're going into detail on the nuances of longer training cycles, the goals they aim to accomplish, the practical difficulties, and why most everyone sticks with a seven-day training cycle. You can also check out runnersworld.com, where I recently published an article on this very topic featuring Mario's advice. Without further delay, please enjoy my conversation with Mr. Mario Fraioli. Mario, welcome back to the podcast. It's been a while, Jason. It's great to be back on the Strength Running Podcast. It has been a while. How are you, buddy? What's what's new with you? What's new with the morning shakeout, your family? Um, I'm doing well. Uh, family's doing well. Most everyone that I know at this point is vaccinated, and that's certainly allowed for some more gatherings over the past couple of weeks, which has been great, uh, returning to that level of, of normalcy. I've kept myself plenty busy over 
the past year, we've done a lot of local adventures, my wife and I and our dog Tahoe. So we took it as an opportunity to check out our backyard, which we had just moved into a few months prior to everything shutting down. Uh, so it was a blessing in disguise in, in that way. And I mean, otherwise, just plugging along with with running and coaching and working on the morning shakeout newsletter and, and podcast still coming out every week on Tuesday mornings. So yeah, I mean, a lot has changed, but not a lot has changed on, on the same token. Yeah, for sure. I feel like we're in very similar boats and it's just been really great to see your podcast grow and evolve over the last year or so. And I'm excited to have you back on. I think I've had you on once, but maybe twice over the past couple of years. I was on very early days, like probably one of your first five episodes, if I'm remembering correctly. And I may have come on another time in between, but I remember that first one very distinctly because you had just gotten your podcast or were just getting it off the ground. Yeah, you were one of the few people who agreed to come on. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and look at you now. I mean, you've had a great lineup of guests and I enjoy listening to your show each week. So keep up the good work. <laughs> well, thanks, Mario. I appreciate that. And uh, let me also say that I appreciate you even more because just a couple of weeks ago, you helped me with a story for Runner's World about the 10-day training cycle. And the piece turned out great. I think your guidance and advice that we included in there was really fantastic. Uh, I was also able to feature a, another fellow podcaster, Lindsay Hine. And I thought it was such an interesting concept and I've been asked about it so many times that I thought it'd just be great to bring you on the pod and go into more detail about longer training cycles like the 10-day cycle. So are you ready to get into it? Let's get into it. So maybe we can just start super high level here. I think most of us know that most training plans and most runners approach their training on a seven-day cycle because that's how we live our lives, right? <laughs> On a Monday through Sunday kind of basis. But what exactly is the 10-day cycle as it pertains to running? And you know, how does that structure work with our seven-day lives? Well, that that's exactly it. We live our lives on a seven-day cycle. Most people's work weeks are Monday through Friday. You get Saturday, Sunday on the weekend when you don't have to be at your desk early or don't have to be to a place at a certain time, have a little bit more time to pursue things like running, do your long runs, go to a race if you want to. So there's definitely, especially for the age group runners, which is most everyone listening to this, an alignment between how we live our lives and how we train for running races. Um, to answer your question, a 10-day cycle is exactly what it sounds. Rather than operating on a Monday through Sunday schedule where, and I'm just going to throw this out as a very general example, many people will do, say, a track workout on Tuesday or a tempo run on Thursday and then a long run on Saturday or Sunday, you extend that out. And you don't necessarily try to cram more workouts into 10 days, but you space out your quality and key sessions and long runs a little bit more than you can over the course of seven days. And maybe that's something like a Tuesday track workout and then a Friday tempo run and then an easy weekend and then a long run the following Monday. So you're just spreading things out a little bit more generally to allow for more and better recovery between your key sessions. Seems simple enough. Why would someone want to do something like this? What are the advantages to, to stretching out your normal 
seven day week to potentially 10 days. And I know we're talking about a 10 day cycle, but let's just be forthright here that we could be talking about a 12 day cycle or even a nine day cycle really is just a longer training cycle. So what are those advantages? What are you getting when you, when you do this? Because I can understand what you're not getting and all the disadvantages, which we'll get into. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad that you called it a longer training cycle. We're talking about 10 days because I, I feel like you almost have to put a number on it because longer is just amorphous, but we, we really are talking about longer training cycles. I mean, the reality is there is no perfect length. Um, you could do seven, you could do 10, you could do nine, you could do 14. I mean, Paula Radcliffe used to do an eight day cycle where she would train for seven days. The eighth day would be a day off and then she'd get into it again. So, I mean, there are a number of different ways that you can do it. The primary reason for stretching out your training cycle is so that you're not trying to cram all of the stuff that you need to do or feel like you need to do or your coach says that you need to do in a very truncated period of of time and i think as as runners and even as coaches a lot of us are very hardwired into okay i've got 7 days to do all of these things track workout tempo run stride strength training long run i mean you you name it and for a lot of people it is a stretch to try and fit all of it into a seven day cycle. And many runners personalities are, are such that they feel like they need to get it all in. And the truth is, as runners, we have a lot of very specific type of work that we need to get in at different points of a training cycle, but there is no universal law that says it all has to happen within, within seven days. So by stretching it out allows us to prioritize recovery. I think you can actually get more in my experience out of your quality sessions by stretching them out. Um, oftentimes that comes from prioritizing recovery. You can actually do and fit in a lot of the things that many runners will throw to the wayside because they just don't have enough time, strength training, drills, prehab, rehab, that sort of thing. So by not feeling crammed, it creates the space to actually do all of the things that you need to do, but it is a much slower approach. Certainly. Um, it requires a lot more planning on the part of the, the coach and the athlete, because you can't just plug and play things into a schedule like you could when you're operating Monday through Sunday every week. Okay. Different track workout on Tuesday. Okay. Different type of tempo session on Thursday. Okay. Different length long run on Sunday. And just like literally if you're using a, you know, an online training platform, like a final surge or a training peaks, you, you can just like move those pieces around from one week to the next or copy them one week to the next. Or if you're doing it in a calendar, it's like move it one week to the next. When, when you're stretching things out over the course of 10, 12, 14 days, whatever your, your cycle is, um, you've got to think a lot more about what you're doing, why you're doing it and where it's going to fit in. I am only thinking right now of the fact that, you know, you said, you can get more out of some of your quality training sessions because you have more recovery in between them. But isn't the flip side of that coin the fact that you are doing less quality work over time? Not necessarily. Uh, if you're getting more out of your quality sessions, I mean, I can't tell you the number of athletes who have had to cut, say, their second workout of the week short because they just weren't recovered from the one that they did two days prior. Whereas if we gave them an extra day of recovery, they might've been able to get in, you know, 5k worth of intervals, intervals rather than 3k worth of intervals. So, um, 
again, like there's no universal law that says if you get all of these things in during set number of days, the result is going to be X. I mean, sometimes it, it works out very cleanly like that. But in my experience, having done this for the past 17 years or so, that is certainly not always the case and usually not the case. Yeah, the body is not something that responds well to a checklist. <laughs> yeah, we're not sure. programmable robots. I mean, that's that's the truth. And we shouldn't treat ourselves as athletes as programmable robots saying like, okay, this is what I need to do on Tuesday. This is what I need to do on Thursday. This is what I need to do on Saturday. This is the amount of miles I have to hit for the week. And if I do all of those things, the race result is going to be whatever it's going to be. It, it doesn't work that way. You've got to check in with yourself a little bit more. Ask yourself, okay, am I prioritizing the right things? How am I feeling after key sessions? How does this compare to the last time I did a workout like this? What else is going on in my life that might be affecting my ability to get in quality work that I may have to adjust my schedule to account for? Um, you know, those, you know, those sorts of things. So, um, I, I mean, I think from, you know, from, from that standpoint, it just kind of gets you out of the, you know, the, the inertia of every week looking the same or feeling like you do the same type of, of workouts on, you know, the same day every week. Yeah. I've always thrived on a pretty set schedule myself personally, but something always gives in a training cycle, usually more than once where you'll have to delay a workout or cut a workout or otherwise change that set schedule because you're simply not recovered enough, you're, you've been working too hard. And, and I can see how a longer training cycle, if, if anything, one of the biggest advantages is probably the mental shift that occurs, that you don't have to always do the same workout on Tuesdays and then the same type of workout on Thursdays and your long run is always on Sunday, that you have flexibility, that you can move things around and that you should listen to your body a little bit more. So in a lot of different ways, it's really attractive to me from the mental perspective. Yeah, it gives you a little bit more flexibility in that regard. I mean, speaking for myself, I am a creature of habit. I love my routine. I tend to do you know, just in my life, not even talking about my running, like my Mondays week to week generally tend to look the same Tuesdays generally tend to look the same Wednesdays and so on and, and, and so forth. And there is a comfort that comes with that. And with consistency will come confidence. So I'm not diminishing that at all, but there have been periods where, you know, because of travel, because of work, because of unexpected things that pop up in my life, um, because, you know, a session took something out of me. Like I've had to just like make adjustments and being able to allow myself that flexibility, I think has made me a better and more aware runner. Like I'm just not caught into this cycle, you know, week in and week out. But I mean, practically for everyone listening to this, I mean, as we talked about at the top, the reason seven day cycles work or at least preferable for most people is because like week to week, that's what they have for a time slot. And it's because they have a commute to work. Their kids have to be, you know, a certain place, certain day. So it's like, okay, I've got this window on, on Tuesday where I can actually get to a track or get to a hill or have a little bit more time to do a workout. So that's when I, I need to do it. Um, and I, I completely understand that. I have these conversations with my athletes, you know, all the time so that I understand like what their, what their life looks like. And, 
And what I like about this from a coaching standpoint, it challenges me to really think about, okay, what do we need to prioritize for this athlete at this point of their training? And how can we do it in such a way that it's not completely disruptive to their life? And I think that's the downside of a 10-day cycle or a longer cycle is it doesn't fit neatly into a calendar, right? Especially 10 days. Um, you know, 10 days is like, it's like a week and a half, right? And if you're trying to spread things into to 10 days, like, you know, you're going to have a a Wednesday one week that looks very different than a Wednesday the next week. And it might not work for your schedule. So it's not practical in that way. Um, I have other athletes who have flexible schedules and that's not so much of a problem, but for a lot of athletes who I've determined after talking to them and looking at their training that, okay, the seven day cycle is not working for us, at least in the, or from the standpoint of trying to fit everything in that, that they need to do, let's extend it out over two weeks. Um, because then we can, you know, really shift the, the emphasis of, you know, what we're trying to stress on a, on a different day, but we're not, you know, doing weird things like a long run on Wednesday when Saturday is probably the only time that they're able to do that, that sort of thing. Um, or, you know, there are some weeks where maybe we can get into this later in the conversation where it's like, you know, over the course of a two week cycle, they may only get one long run in rather than trying to do one every week again. And that's that, I think that, that runner mentality, especially when you've been doing it for a while, it's like, I have to do a long run every week. Um, or I have to do, you know, X type of session every week. And again, like there's no law that, you know, that says that, um, you can actually get a lot out of, you know, taking something out of a week and prioritizing something else. Um, especially if you're, you're at a point in your running where you've kind of stagnated and aren't making improvements anymore. Right. And that then gives you the opportunity to work on other aspects of your training that might give you a lot more bang for your buck. So, you know, if you've been training fairly well and consistently for 15, 20 years, maybe you're the type of runner who it's okay if you only do a long run once every two weeks because you've been developing that aerobic system for so long. Now, you did say something previously that I want to touch base on, which was just the idea of flexibility. And, and I think that is the, the key to this whole discussion, both in terms of the flexibility that a longer training cycle gives you as a runner and you as a coach to kind of do things in a more flexible manner, but also the flexibility that it demands from you in terms of scheduling. And, and this kind of leads into my question, like, who, who's going to use a 10-day training cycle or a longer training cycle? You know, what is the type of person who this is actually going to work for them. Because I know for me, you know, similar to you, I have a very flexible job every day, but I also have three kids and a wife who works a pretty standard job. And so even if I wanted to use a longer training cycle, it would be exceptionally difficult. So what kind of person is going to thrive on a longer training cycle? I mean, short answer is someone who has that kind of flexibility where, their week is not so rigid that they only have a, a set time on a specific day to do a certain thing. And a lot of folks now who are working from home and don't have a commute might have a little bit more flexibility to shuffle things around as, as necessary than the person who is going back into the office now five days a week and can only run on their lunch hour and has a little bit more time on the weekend. So, I mean, it definitely is going to work a lot more effectively for someone who can easily move the pieces of their their week around than than others and that's that's certainly not 
everyone. And and again, like just kind of comes back to the the central tenet of of this, like why the idea of it is great, as we talked about even before we got on the mic, but the actual execution of it is a lot more challenging. Yeah. And in terms of actual execution, one of the things that I had to do for that runner's world story is answer a question about, you know, why can't you plan your long runs for this entire training cycle? And I was thinking, well, you can, but you would have to sit in front of a calendar and literally mark off every day and then count 10 days later and then mark off a day. And your long runs would be all over the calendar. And that to me is kind of the nightmare scenario that I wouldn't be able to plan for. And it it just increases the cognitive load of the training in my mind. And and that is, is one of the big disadvantages. And I'd love to talk a little bit more Uh, about those disadvantages. Uh, But first, let me just say that, you know, just a quick anecdote from my personal life. I recently did a little change to my training where I'm now doing my long run on Friday, just so that I have more time with my family on the weekends, because it's, you know, it's a little hard to say I'm leaving for hours and, you know, I'll see you at lunchtime. And my wife is with all the all the kids. And so that has actually been great from a family perspective, but I am someone who, you know, even if the long run isn't, you know, 20 miles, I get pretty fatigued from a long run and it kind of throws my day off a little bit. My wife used to joke that, you know, when I was running 20 plus miles for my long runs, that it was a whole day affair. It was the warm up, it was the run, it was the post run stuff, it was the ice bath, it was the nap in the afternoon, then the snack and green tea in the late afternoon. And she's like, finally, by five o'clock, you're actually ready to go do something with me on a Saturday. And then I, you know, (laughs) that's just me personally. But (laughs) now that I'm doing it on Friday, I'm noticing that I'm not as effective on Friday. And and I think that's a, a part of this discussion, too. If you do a crazy workout or a long run on a Wednesday or a Thursday and you have those other responsibilities, you know, you have to think physically, how am I going to feel after some of these big runs or big training sessions? Because it is going to affect you when maybe you need to be on for something professionally or with your family, uh, where, you know, if you were on a normal schedule and maybe doing a long run on a Saturday or a Sunday, you wouldn't have to deal with that. So I think that's a, a problem for a lot of folks. Exactly. And there's a mental component to that too, because if you're doing a big session, whether it's a speed workout or a 20 plus mile long run and you've got to work the rest of the day or be on in some other aspect of your life, you're going into that depleted or most people are going to go into that depleted because you've put obviously a lot of physical effort into the workout or the long run. But there's a there's a mental toll there as well, which I don't think enough people really give a lot of credit to. I mean, I've, I've noticed for myself very similarly on the days when I'm doing a hard interval session, I've really got to focus on what it is that I'm, I'm doing that day. It takes me a little while to come down afterward and to be in a place where I feel like I can actually think straight and engage properly with others. And I mean, I'm fortunate in that I work for myself and I have the flexibility to do this, but I give myself a little bit of a buffer time afterward just to, just to kind of decompress a little bit and get some food in so that I can recharge so that I can actually like be useful the rest of the day. And I think understanding that about yourself is is key and if you work with a coach allowing your coach to understand how much these things may or may not 
take out of you is really important when they're planning out your schedule. And I mean, these are conversations I'm having with my athletes all the time, understanding what it is they've got going on in their life outside of running um, from a work standpoint, family obligations, other hobbies they might have to understand like how that's going to affect their running. And when I'm writing out their schedules, like these are all the things that I'm keeping in mind when I'm, I'm thinking about, okay, this is a key workout we need to do six weeks out from marathon. This is what the, the tax on that is going to be, you know, in, in the rest of their life, like, where is it going to fit in best? Um, and what do we need to do in the days before and day after to, to make sure that they are, are primed and ready to get the most out of themselves on that particular day? Now, we have talked about how a longer training cycle can help you prioritize those bigger sessions because you can space out your training a little bit. And I was going to ask you more about the disadvantages of these longer cycles, but we really haven't been able to help ourselves. We've been talking about a lot of those <laughs> disadvantages. And it seems like the number one thing is simply the the scheduling aspect to it and the fact that you know, you, you're going to be doing things on random days that have a tax to it. I really like that, that, that terminology because it kind of, you know, puts things into perspective, you know, that long run has a tax and my wife knows that in the hour or two after a long run, I am moving really slow. So I can't finish a long run at nine 30 and be ready to go out the door at 10 o'clock. That's just not happening. But you know, what are some other disadvantages of longer training cycles? Is, is this something that, that also has, any kind of physical or, you know, physiological uh, disadvantages for athletes? Well, something you brought up earlier is worth considering. Um, and that is, you know, like you were saying, like not being able to get in all the work that you need to to get in. Now, I mean, this is really going to be dependent on the athlete, their experience level, you know, their, their age and what it is that they're, you know, that they're trying to accomplish. But that, I mean, it is a, it is a potential disadvantage, um, say for a, a new marathoner, um, who is trying to get ready for their first go at, at 26.2 to wrap their head around this longer training cycle and, and feel like they're not making the progress that they might make if they were able to do more within a, you know, within a given week, I could see that being a, a, a situation where, you know, a 10 day training cycle is at a, a bit of an advantage, you know, maybe that type of athlete is going to take confidence from getting in a long run every week. Um, and you need to prioritize it as such. I don't know if that answers, I don't know if that answers your question specifically, but. You know, I think that is there also an issue too with potentially the stress of having to schedule workouts on random days constantly? Because I can see how, you know, I mentioned the, the cognitive load of this type of a cycle. Could you potentially run into an issue where, you know, you're just getting anxious about your training because you're always thinking ahead about scheduling, you're thinking ahead about planning your life around this kind of wacky longer training cycle? And I can see how that would maybe not necessarily hurt you physiologically, but hurt you mentally where you're dealing with anxiety, you know, maybe that is knocking your confidence a little bit. And confidence, I think is one of the most important things for runners. So I can see how that could be psychologically a little bit of a disadvantage. Yeah, hundred percent. There's, I mean, there's just more moving parts is the truth of it. And not only is it harming you potentially psychologically, 
it's going to affect other people in your life, um, whether it's your, your, you know, your boss and your colleagues, your, your partner, your children, um, friends who you meet up with regularly, uh, because the, the predictability and routine that a lot of people thrive on isn't there. So, I mean, we've, we've kind of danced around this a bit. I'll tell you where I've landed with a lot of my athletes that I work with who need or I think benefit from a longer training cycle. I've actually stopped doing 10 days for most people. It, do, it just doesn't work for practicality reasons, for everything we just talked about. Um, there's too many moving pieces. You know, There's a lot of mental stress that comes with trying to, to plan when they're going to do certain workouts, where they've got to go for that, like then what they're going to do with like childcare and what time they're going to show up at the office, that sort of thing. So using you know the seven-day calendar that many of us are tied to in our daily life, I just double it and extend it to 14. And for, for most people, and there, and there is room for flexibility in this, which is the other nice thing about a longer training cycle, because you can kind of move things up or move things back a day or two and still get it in if you're recovering particularly well, or maybe if you even need more time um, to tackle a, another workout, but I'll, I'll do it on a two week cycle. And, you know, for my athletes who are accustomed to doing say a quality session that requires a little bit more time, energy, and planning on a, on a Tuesday, but they know they're doing most of those things on Tuesday. Like we kind of block Tuesdays for that. Um, to, to steal something that the, the Hansons use as a coach, they, they call them something of substance. Um, so we'll just call it something of substance. So we'll block that off for Tuesday. And then maybe they're used to also doing that on a, on a Thursday or Friday. I'll typically go Friday. I like to have two days between key sessions. We'll block that off as another day where they know they need a little bit more time. And logistically, there's a few more things they need to think through in terms of where they're doing their workout, what they need to have available to them, et cetera, et cetera. And then for most people, it's, there's going to be a weekend day where they're doing something longer or they have more time. And for some that's Saturday, for some that's Sunday, but let's just say it's Sunday for, for this particular person. So we're on a Tuesday, Friday, Sunday, something of substance session. Now it doesn't mean like every Tuesday has to be a track workout or an interval workout. It doesn't mean every Friday has to be a tempo run workout and every Sunday has to be a long run workout. We've got within this two week block, we've got six sessions of substance that we know we, we want to get in. Now, what those are going to be is going to depend, again, on the athlete, their experience level, what it is that they're training for and where they are in the block. So for someone, week one, we may have, say, a VO2 max workout on Tuesday. And then on Friday, we do a standard tempo run, say four to five miles. And then on Sunday, we're going to do a long run that is 20% of their weekly volume. Maybe it's got a little progression in it. Maybe not, but that's going to be their, their long day. Then we move over to the, we move over to the next week. You know, we know Tuesday is going to be that, that session of substance. Um, they've had Monday as a recovery day, but they're still a little bit tired from the long run. So maybe on that, on that Tuesday, like we are going to just do an unstructured fart, like get their legs turning over, but it's a pretty small dose. It's not even a really like a full workout. So we're getting something in, but it's not a huge stress to their system. Um, and it actually isn't going to take a lot out of them either, but it's allowed them to fully absorb the, the previous week. Then we recover for two days should be a, 
a good opportunity for them to like really feel fresh. And then on that Friday of, of week two, we go for like a big session. Maybe that's, that's going to be a monster session that, that we're going to do, um, because they're, you know, let's say four weeks out from a half marathon and, and we do a big workout. That's like, say three to four by two miles or something. Um, it's, it's pretty bulky. It's a lot of work. It's going to take a lot out of them. Um, you know, that's, that's that key session, you know, Saturday is a recovery day Sunday, which is that other session of substance that we've kind of blocked off. I'm not going to give them a long run that day. Um, we got a good one in the week before they got a, a big session in a very specific session in on, on Friday that kind of ticked up there in volume. We might do another light fartlek. We may do some short hill repeats so that we're not getting too far away from, you know, from, from that kind of, of work. Um, it allows us to focus on like, you know, mechanics and strength and power in very small doses, um, without it being like a huge stress to the system, but it's, you know, we're going to do something, uh, and it's going to require a little bit of planning, but it's not going to be huge volume and it's, it's not going to be a, a long run, which it, it sounds crazy, but a lot of people are like, no, Sunday's long run day. Sunday's long run day. I got to do long run day. It's like, no, y- you don't. Um, I mean, in some cases, maybe you should every Sunday for a period of time. But in the case of this athlete, like, you know, how we've prioritized things and how we've structured this like 14 day block, um, it's very predictable from the standpoint of, okay, this is when I need a little bit more time and when I'm going to have to put a little more effort into my planning. But, you know, we can, we can move those pieces around, move those parts around a little bit more. Um, and I've got, I've got some athletes too, where, you know, maybe we've, we've moved the long run to a Friday. Like they just, you know, they have time to do that. Maybe their long run's not super long. You know, it fits on a Friday instead of a, a Sunday. And then that allows us to get in like a fartlek session on that, on that Sunday. So, I mean, I think it just, you know, the, the benefit to that is, you know, as we talked about throughout this conversation so far is, is the flexibility that it allows, but by stretching it out to two weeks, like we don't feel like we're cramming everything into to seven days. And then we haven't even talked about a lot of the ancillary things from strength training and where that fits in, you know, prehab and rehab work. Um, you know, those session of substance days, like, you know, like that light fart look I talked about early on in week two, um, because it's not as bulky of a workout, the volume's maybe not going to be as high, but they still have a little bit more time because they plan for it on that day. We do a strength session right afterward. You know, we really prioritize that and, and get it in. So I mean, I'm talking in broad strokes here in, in very general terms, but I, as a coach, like having that flexibility to to plan things. Like, I don't feel like we're trying to cram as much because I've certainly been in that situation early on in my coaching career where I felt like we had to get everything in over the course of a week. And, you know, it was a lot of stress and strain on the athlete. It was a lot of stress and strain on me figuring out where it was all going to fit and like what we were going to take away from. And here, like we can we can get everything in, and it just feels a lot less stressful and a little more spread out. And I've just found that in those situations, my athletes are able to get more out of their quality sessions. They recover better in between, and if we do this for long enough, improvement occurs. Thank you, Mario. That was such a thoughtful explanation of kind of the scheduling of training and the big workouts and and where they fall and why they fall on those days. That was really helpful. And I think all the training nerds (laughs) that are listening to this are going to be rewinding the last couple minutes to listen to that over and over again. But I want to ask you a provocative question. Okay. You just described a 14-day cycle. 
But did you not just describe a seven-day cycle that is simply more responsive to how the athlete is feeling and what workouts are being scheduled when? Sure. I mean, you could call them two seven-day cycles just combined with one another. But what I found is when people think in terms of seven days, they think my Tuesday workout is this, you know, my Thursday, Friday workout is this, then long run on the weekend. This allows you to zoom out just a little bit more and to look at at, at a bigger picture. And, and I mean, I think for any athlete and coach at the start of a, a training cycle, when you have that goal on the calendar, you know what it is that you're working to eight, 10, 12, 16 weeks from now. Um, you know, you, you, it's important to, to zoom out and, and understand like, okay, what do we need to prioritize when? Um, but if we, if we go right to the seven day cycle, like the thinking is like, okay, I've got to cram all this, like I've got to cram all this stuff into, into seven days when you stretch it out to two weeks or, you know, three weeks, you can look at it with a little more flexibility, I think. And, and it's not just, okay, the long run goes here, here and here. Um, it's like, okay, what, well, what do I need to prioritize within this little two or three week block? Um, because sometimes the, you know, the long run isn't always going to be a priority. The VO2 max workout isn't always going to be a priority. The tempo run isn't going to be a priority. Again, this depends on, on the athlete and what it is they're training for and, you know, where they are. But I think, and I, I don't even think I, I know, like uh, just a lot of, a lot of runners are just very rigid and, you know, in their thinking that, you know, I've, I've got to get in, you know, three or four specific things every week, not understanding why they're actually doing those things and what they need to prioritize at a given time. Yeah, I really do love this, this 14 day cycle, because it seems to me it, it accomplishes all of the major goals and advantages of a, uh, a 10 day cycle with none of those logistical nightmare drawbacks of scheduling things on off days. And, and it's just more responsive to how the athlete is feeling and how they're responding to the workouts and recovering and adapting to them. And, and it just seems like that at the end of the day, whether we are calling this 14 day cycle two seven day cycles, whether we're using a 10 day cycle or whether we're simply going to use a standard seven-day cycle, but just be more responsive to how we're feeling. It seems like at the end of the day, ultimately what we want is just a fle more flexible mindset around our running. Because, you know, I heard a quote a long time ago that I've, I'll always remember. It's the best workout for you today is what your body is ready for. And so even if the schedule says 20 miles, you might not be ready for that because you're not recovered from the last session or, you know, maybe 20 miles is too long. And so having the flexibility to either modify workouts or change them entirely, even if you are on a seven day cycle based on how you feel is maybe the holy grail of training schedules because yeah, you have these things on the schedule, but they're not written down in ink. They're sketched in in pencil they can be changed. We can move things around. M my God, maybe we can even skip a workout next week, you know, like sacrilege to most runners. But I think that flexibility of how you approach your training is probably one of the most valuable takeaways from this discussion. Yeah. And I think you want to be careful as an athlete and a coach to not fall into this trap of just checking boxes and thinking that this is formulaic. Um, you need to be constantly checking in with yourself or checking in with your athletes and understanding 
not only how the workout went, but why it went the way that it did. What other life stresses or training stresses contributed to it? How much did it take out of them? I mean, you know, take a standard workout of three by mile. If you go into that fresh and you really nail it and you don't have a lot of other stuff going on in your life, I mean, you might be ready to roll two days later for another workout. Fast forward three weeks and you've had a crazy week at work and, you know, your kid's sick and you're not, you're not sleeping and you like go to force it in. And, you know, not only are you running slower, then you feel like, you know, okay, well, I've, I've still got to do this other workout two days later. It's like, no, like, like zoom out, you know, and, and ask yourself like why it went the way that it did and like try to understand, you know, ask yourself like, all right, am I going to get more out of this, this workout that my schedule says I need to do two days from now? Or am I going to get more out of taking a rest day or an easy day and pushing that workout back a day or two? Um, and how this all fits into our discussion of a longer training schedule, a longer training schedule, it just, it just does create more space. And, and it's easier, I think, to, to move those pieces around when you need to versus when you have this, this rigid, mindset around a, a seven day week where there's, I mean, there's just less days to work with, um, and less places to move things and more guilt associated with skipping those, you know, skipping those workouts. I mean, I can't tell you the number of times I've just taken a workout that someone wasn't ready for and just bumped it to the next week. Um, so that we weren't skipping steps. And that was the best move because of, because forcing that workout may have led to injury or it would have dug whatever hole they were in, you know, even further. So I think it's, you know, I think it is just, not being again tied to to that that trap of or, or falling into that trap of of just checking the boxes for checking the boxes' sake and and really understanding why you're doing what you're doing, being honest with yourself or your coach about how you feel, and and then just having the the self confidence to you know to to move things around if you if you need to and not feel obligated to just check the box on a given day. Yeah, that's really hard for runners. We we tend to be box checkers. And I've certainly fallen into that trap myself, just thinking that, man, if I get in this series of workouts and this series of long runs in this mileage level, then I'm going to be the runner that, you know, I really want to be when, you know, it's, it's the body doesn't work like that, of course. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we've seen it with runners who are like, hey, if I, if I just bump up to 50 or 60 miles a week rather than the you know, 40 that I'm running now, I'm going to get so much better. You might, you very well might, especially if you've got a lot of room for aerobic development. But if trying to force that extra 10, 20 miles a weekend is, you know, cutting into your sleep, taking away from your family time, not allowing you to properly recover between workouts, it's, it's going to go the other way. Like there's, you know, there, there's nothing that says, you know, more is necessarily better. Um, so I, I mean, I found in those situations where I have people who just, you know, they're, they're very compliant. They, they try to fit everything into the course of the week, then they can't understand like why they've plateaued or why they're not recovering or why they're not, making any improvement or they haven't in a while, I'm like, all right, well, let's just, let's spread things out like a little bit more. Let's reevaluate, you know, why you're doing what you're doing, how you're doing what you're doing and, and create a little bit more space and try a different approach. And usually that change in stimulus or allowing for more recovery and, or being able to get more out of your quality sessions really does spur improvement. You've talked a lot about being honest with yourself, about having a dialogue about these issues and these topics. 
And, and I feel like that is absolutely mandatory if you want to be a successful runner, just being honest with how you feel and how you're responding to all of the hard training that you're doing. Is that difficult for a lot of people? Because I feel like talking about how you're tired or how you're sore or how you're not ready for a workout could potentially be seen as a sign of weakness, that you're not any good, that you can't handle the training. And, you know, like you said, runners are are box checkers. We're type A personalities a lot of the time. We don't want to seem like that to other runners and, and maybe to our coach. How do you how do you advise runners to kind of get over that and have the self-confidence to say that I can't do this and I'm not recovered and we need to change things? It's a great question. I tell all my athletes that I work with that they need to be honest with me. And I've been doing this long enough. Sometimes I can just see through the BS when they're like, nope, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm like, I I don't get the impression that you're fine. Like you did the same workout three weeks ago and you were quite a bit faster. I know you haven't lost that much fitness over this time. Like, you know, what's going on? I mean, a lot of runners, the reason we, we do these, these hard things, whether it's chasing a 5k PR or finishing our first marathon or whatever it could be is, is we want to be able to push through those moments when we don't feel like we can go anymore. And, and we're, a lot of runners are just hardwired that way. They feel like it's an obligation to, to do that. And that can get you into trouble. So you've got to be able to zoom out and it's not a switch you can turn on and off. I think it's a practice that you need to put in place over time. Journaling helps. I mean, I, I have this saying, I don't know if it's absolutely true. It's true for me, but you know, you may ask me, Hey, how's training going? How do you feel? And I'm like, yeah, things are going great, man. Like, you know, I'm feeling awesome. And I might be telling a little bit of a a fib because I, you know, I can't admit to you for whatever reason that, you know, I'm actually feeling kind of beat up and broken down and, you know, I've been struggling a bit, but I won't lie to my running log. Um, and maybe that's cause I'm the only one who sees it. So, um, keep a log. I think keeping a log book is, is really important. It also, you know, becomes a history book that you can look back at over time and, and really, find patterns and understand like why you felt a certain way or, you know, why you've struggled with certain workouts and that can lead to to future growth. But I think it is like just a way that, that runners are, you know, that runners are wired, um, not to knock on men too much, but men, especially, um, I feel like the, the women that I work with are, are just more forthright with me in, in general and are okay with being honest about how they feel. And then I can make the adjustments that we need to make. Whereas, the men by and large are just like, Nope, I'm, I'm fine. They're, they're just not going to admit that weakness or they see it as weakness. Um, I try to express them like, Hey, this isn't a, a weakness. You're just being honest with me. And the more honest information I have, the better decisions I can help you make. And, and I mean, that applies on a, on a personal level, the more honest you are with yourself, the better decisions you're going to be able to make for your training rather than, continuing to push through, continuing to push through, continuing to push through, which leads to things like burnout and, and injury. And those are things that all runners want to avoid because they're hard to, they're hard to come back from. You know, Mario, I have probably received 15 to 20 messages from folks over the last decade telling me that I will do whatever you say to accomplish whatever goal they have, whatever I say, and they have all been men. And I just thought that was an interesting anecdote to share with your observation that, yeah, I mean, a lot of men are just uh, very head down. They want to go. They don't want to seem weak. And, you know, maybe that's uh, society's sort of implicit messaging to us. 
I think so. And people in general, especially runners, whether they're working with a coach or maybe they're self-coached and figuring this out for themselves, they don't want to let another person down. Um, they don't want to let their coach down. Oh, you've put all this thought into a training program, so I want to do it to the T. And I, I think if you're a, a good coach, like you know that's an unrealistic expectation. Things are going to pop up that are going to force you to make some changes in the schedule or to be a little bit more adaptable. And then on the individual level, people that feel like they're letting themselves down, like, okay, like I've committed to this marathon 12 weeks from now, you know, I got all these workouts you need to do on Tuesdays and Thursdays and like 10 long runs over the course of this period in time. You know, if I don't do them, I'm letting myself down and you've got to convince yourself otherwise. Um, you've got to have the confidence to say, okay, like, I'm just, I'm feeling really tired. I need to skip the long run this week, or I need to move it back a day or two, or I need to talk to my coach and say, Hey, I've got a lot of stuff going on right now. And I just can't focus on the workout that I need to do. Like I need to, we need to make some adjustments and and those, you know, those honest conversations, they're, they're difficult, but whether you're having them with yourself or with someone that you're working with, it's, it's important that that you do, um, because that's going to help you to keep the momentum going, even if it's stalled or delayed by a couple days. Right. Now, your suggestion to use a running log, I think, is is just fantastic. That is maybe one of the best tools that runners can use to get further insight into their training. Uh, and of course, having a coach is just a wonderful resource, you know, someone to bounce ideas off of and communicate how you're feeling. Of course, not everyone can afford to hire a coach. Um, and, and I think that's where other runners really come into uh, play here. And, and I think being involved in the running community, having folks around you who are training hard, who are going after goals, but who also you can be vulnerable with. And, you know, I know you and I both ran in college. One of the things that, you know, I just think about all the time that I'm so grateful for is just being around people who we're both at their best and sometimes at their worst around me from, you know, an athletics perspective. And, and that really allowed us to be more vulnerable with each other. Like I don't have it today. I've got nothing. And just, you know, you're, you're one of the top runners on the team and you're just telling the team that I, I am, I'm bailing on this workout cause I'm just totally crushed or something like that. And I think that helps set the stage. So, you know, if any runner is struggling with this kind of, honest dialogue with themselves about how they're feeling. Uh, I think getting some running friends and just being able to talk about training and how you're feeling is such an invaluable resource. Yeah. I, I'm glad you said that. I think it's a huge takeaway. It doesn't need to be a coach that you're paying every month, although a, a good coach that you are paying every month, you know, that's their job is to help you work through those things. But sometimes just expressing how you're feeling to a running buddy a friend who understands it on some level and just getting their perspective can sometimes just confirm what you already know. I mean, how many of us have gone into a workout saying for whatever reason, whether it's they feel an injury coming on or they're just dead dog tired, like I really shouldn't be doing this right now. Like I really shouldn't be doing this right now, but you do it anyway, because that's what's on the schedule and you want to check the box. Whereas if you talk to a friend beforehand anyone who, who, you know, who, who really cares about you and is looking out for you. And they're like, what are you doing today? Okay. I'm doing these, I'm doing these, these mile repeats. You don't seem that excited about it. Yeah. I'm not really that excited about it. Well, why? Well, um, I've only been getting four hours of sleep every night. Work's been crazy. The kids are sick. Um, you know, I've, 
you know, I've been, I've been dealing with this nagging, you know, Achilles thing. I mean, anyone with, with half a brain and some common sense is going to be like, I think you should probably skip your workout today. Um, and just focus on resting a little bit and then you can bump it back a, a day or two. Like that's hugely, that's hugely valuable because somewhere in your subconscious, like, you know, that that's the right move, but you're not going to convince yourself to actually take the day off or take it easy or bump the workout back a day or two, but hearing it from someone else that you know and trust makes a big difference. It really, really does. Mario, I love how this evolved from a conversation about longer training cycles to evaluating how you feel and being responsive to your training schedule, because I think that is really the underlying issue with this big question. Should I use a longer training cycle or should I not? And the decision-making process behind that is complex and it requires a lot of, you know, different decisions and, and different inputs from different things. And, and I hope this was helpful for our listeners and just getting a little bit more clarity about training schedules, about being responsive, about being okay with moving around your schedule. You know, I have, I have a line that I like to use you know, I say, I write training plans for a living and I'll be the first person to tell you that nobody in this room is going to be able to follow this training plan from start to finish. And that usually leaves people like, whoa, really? I can't follow the plan? I'm like, no, it's going to be impossible. Something's going to come up. And I, I think this is such a valuable discussion because it gets at something deeper and, and more important, which is how we're responding to our training. Yeah. I apologize if I went off the rails a little bit, but I do think all of this is related, as you just mentioned, to this discussion of a longer training cycle. But to your last point, um, it reminds me of a conversation that I had with Nate Jenkins, who I know you know, being a fellow New England guy. He's a friend of mine. He was my college rival when I was at Stonehill. He was at UMass Lowell. And I remember talking to him about marathon training specifically after we had both graduated from college and Nate was seventh at the 2008 trials. He's got a two thirteen two fourteen personal best and he put in some heavy training and he was doing it at a professional level for a while. And Nate will be the first person to tell you that he has bad workouts all the time and that he needs to skip sessions from time to time. And I said, well, how do you know when you're ready to race a marathon when you zoom out, um, knowing that you've had to skip some sessions, you've missed some sessions, you've made adjustments. And he goes, you know, he goes, if I can hit about 75% of whatever I had laid out for myself, I feel pretty good about my chances when I step to the starting line, because to your point, it's never going to go a hundred percent perfectly. And honestly, I worry about the athletes who, check all the boxes and hit everything that's on the schedule and do it to a T because they've probably been very, very rigid about it. And when they step to the start line, the race is anything but rigid. You've got to be fluid. You've got to be adaptable. You've got to be able to ask yourself how you feel. You've got to be able to make adjustments on the fly. So all of these things that we've talked about over the course of this last hour or so, checking in with yourself, being honest with yourself, questioning what your priorities are, what you need to be doing at a given time, like that's all going to help you out on race day. Like if you develop those skills along with your fitness over the course of a, a training cycle, you are going to have a much more robust toolbox when you are in the race and any number of things from weather to pace changes to 
a crazy course, like whatever gets, whatever gets thrown your way, you're going to have the skills to navigate that. Um, because you have not allowed yourself to get in this, in this rigid mindset where everything has to be perfect. Otherwise it's going to be, be a failure. Um, you've got to be able to adjust and adapt. And, and that's what we've been talking about here over the last hour is just being, you know, being adaptable. And, and I think longer training cycles, as they relate to, you know, the standard training week, the, the, the key takeaway is be adaptable um, and and be honest with yourself. And that's exactly what you need to do to be successful on race day. Mario, should this podcast episode have been a tweet? Be adaptable. <laughs> if, we could, if we could, yeah, if we could get it down to, I, I mean, I got more characters to go with there. So I, I'd probably add to it a little bit. But yeah, if we distill it down, just be adaptable. <laughs> I love it. Well, We've gone into so much detail on this. This is exactly what I was hoping for, Mario. This has just been fantastic. Um, I I hope I gave you the platform for you to go off the rails because that's (laughs) what I was hoping for. Um, Is there anything we missed? I know we went pretty deep on longer training cycles and and everything that, that is involved in it. And of course, you know, not everything that's involved, but what are some other big issues or considerations or mistakes that people might make if they're trying to implement a longer training cycle? Is, is there anything else that you'd like to add before we wrap? Well, what we didn't talk about that maybe we should spend a little bit of time on, and I know this is very central to your training and coaching philosophy, is all the stuff we're doing that is training, but not necessarily running. So prehab, rehab, strength training, drills, that sort of thing. And I think that's another one of the great advantages of being adaptable and just allowing yourself to think on a more stretched out timeline than a given week. Because as I, I touched on earlier at one point, when people think about, okay, I've got seven days, I've got to fit in these 10 things. It's it's impossible for most people to fit it all in and then stuff just starts getting thrown out the window. So I, I, I mean you know, you, you and I could talk about this as coaches, but I've had runners be like, like literally they see strides on the schedule and they're just like, um, okay, those are 20 seconds a piece times six. I've got an hour worth of time. Okay. Strides are out the window. I'm just not going to do the strides today. Um, or they've got a, a five, 10 minute prehab routine, but they're already feeling rushed and they've got an hour run on the schedule. What goes out the window? Well, not 10 or 15 minutes of the run. It's the 10 or 15 minute prehab routine. Um, I'll often program drills into my athletes schedule, especially when we're training for 5k, 10k type of stuff. And and I'll use those drills, you know, for a number of different reasons from, you know, reinforcing good mechanics to improving form to also just priming them for, for workouts. Like, you know, they, they take time. Those will get tossed out the window. Um, you know, strength training routine, um, some sort of mobility work so that we can stay supple and, and healthy. They're, they're very, very important, but it's, it's tedious. And like anything else, you've got to do them consistently when time gets compressed and it's crunched, they also go out the window. Um, mo- 95 to 99% of runners aren't going to take 15, 20 minutes away from their run so they can do these other things. But by stretching things out over the course of, of a couple weeks, like again, it allows just for some more flexibility. We can build those things into the schedule to ensure that they're being done consistently. Um, we're not trying to cram them all into a week, but I'd rather have someone get, you know, one stride session in each week that's planned and 
and there's flexibility to fit that in there than to schedule it three times and, you know, only have them, you know, do it once every other week or something like that when they have time. So, um, I, I think that's worth talking about as well, aside from the workouts and the long runs and like what we're, you know, what we're emphasizing, all of those little like one to five percenters that, that add up, um, and that are the first things to go out the window, the longer training cycles I've found, like just looking at the, the data set that is the athletes I've worked with over, you know, the last 17 years or so, like when we've had a longer training cycle and they can, you know, they, they just don't feel like as crammed and as rushed, they're getting those things in more consistently. We're staying healthier. Um, we're feeling more ready for workouts and generally just able to stay more consistent. Yeah, I'm glad you brought this up. This is something that slipped my mind, primarily because probably when we think about longer training cycles, we're, we're thinking about moving around the most stressful aspects of our training. And the most stressful aspects of our training are typically the faster workout and the long run and, you know, whatever variations of those that we're doing. And so the other things, it's more like, it's not that you need more recovery to do them, but you do need more time. And that's where that longer training cycle can be super helpful. Um, especially because, you know, like you mentioned, you know, I, th this kind of work is so valuable in my mind and, you know, I don't even consider strength training cross training. Like if you want to be a good runner, you got to do some kind of strength training. You got to be consistent with it. You've, you've got to stay healthy. And if, if you're not fitting it in because you can't really get in all that work over seven days, then that longer training cycle, whether it's 10 days eight, nine, 11, 12, 13, 14, whatever, then maybe that will give you that extra time to fit it in. Because I think, you know, like the dynamic warm up, all that priming work you're doing, especially before a workout where you might be running fast and doing some quality work, you know, that is so important for, you know, not just mechanics and, and get, keeping you healthy, but also just preparing you for the workout and, and helping you optimize that session. And so if you're not optimizing the session and you're not doing the work that keeps you healthy, you know, sooner or later, you're just going to have a lot of poor workouts. You're going to get hurt. And so in my mind, it's absolutely critical to do that work. And if you're someone that can make a 10 day cycle happen, uh, and get in all that work, then more power to you. Yep. That is very well said. All right, Mario, this has been such a tour de force, a whirlwind of long training cycle, training theory nerdery that I have just come to love. I always enjoy our conversations and, and going deep on some of these topics. So thank you very much. And uh, I will certainly give the Morning Shakeout newsletter and podcast a huge shout out. They are uh, something I look forward to every week. So Mario, thanks for being here and thanks for what you do. Thanks, Jason. It was super fun geeking out with you on this stuff. There we have it, friends. Thanks for tuning into this conversation. And as always, if you have any questions, don't hesitate to reach out to me at support at strengthrunning.com. You can also connect with Mario by visiting themorningshakeout.com and checking out his podcast and weekly newsletter. Finally, I want to hook you up with some free electrolytes. Our sponsor, Elemental Labs, is offering a free sample pack with four flavors and eight electrolyte packets at drinklmnt.com slash strengthrunning. You only have to pay for shipping, which is five bucks here in the U.S. Elemental Labs makes electrolytes for athletes and low-carb folks with no sugar, no artificial ingredients or colors. And I'm very partial to the citrus flavor, which I honestly 
can't get enough of. I mentioned before that this was my beverage of choice after a hot, long ride in the front range just yesterday. It's tasty and delicious and something that I really enjoy whenever I do any running for more than about 45 minutes. And for those athletes who might be running five or more days per week, training for longer events like the half marathon or up, or just outside in the heat, an electrolyte replacement makes a lot of sense. And I'm very encouraged by the fact that Navy SEAL teams, Olympic teams, and pro athletes have all started using elemental electrolyte supplements to improve their performance. Check them out at drinklmnt.com slash strengthrunning to try their sample pack and get your hydration optimized for the summer season. They also have a new flavor, watermelon salt, which is my number two flavor after citrus. It's delicious. All right, thank you for being here. We'll be in touch soon. Until then, I'm very grateful for all of your feedback, your podcast reviews, and support. We'll talk to you soon.